we are, we're in a sermon series. You know, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Okay, that's what we're trying to answer. We're answering that question over a series of weeks. And we're being reminded that following Jesus is all about relationships. Okay, it's all about relationships. And that's really been our focus for this entire ministry year. Right? We, way back last fall, you know, we, we've talked about that our focus this year is on growing our gospel relationships. We want to deepen our relationship with Christ, deepen our relationships in the church, and then deepen our relationships in the world with folks outside the church. And, uh, and in this series on following Jesus, we've seen that God relates to us in grace. Okay, in grace. Uh, and then last week, we talked about prayer. And we saw that prayer is spending time with God. At the core, that's what it is. Prayer is spending time with God. So today, we're going to talk about the Bible. Okay, we're going to talk about the Bible. What is the Bible? And how does the Bible relate to following Jesus? And this is going to help all of us. Okay, for those of you who are new Christians, um, you're going to see sort of a glimpse into the adventure of reading the Bible. Like, why is it such a good thing to do? Uh, For older Christians, you are going to be reminded that your daily experience of God is radically helped by reading the Bible, okay? That reading the Bible is a, is, is a part of our daily experience of God. And then for those of you who aren't Christians, today you're going to see why our church makes such a big deal about the Bible, okay? Why it's so important to us so that you can see if you want to spend a little bit more of your own time searching out what the Bible has to say, and so I know that as we start, there's lots of objections, you know, to the reliability of the Bible. There's lots of things that have been said, lots of, of ways that people attack and say that you can't trust the Bible for, for lots of different reasons. We actually have sermons that we've done in the past that have dealt with a number of these objections, and today we're not going to rehash those things in detail. Uh, but let me just say that if you look at the evidence, okay, if you look at the evidence the historical evidence for the accuracy and reliability of the Bible is overwhelming. Okay, it is overwhelming. If you actually look at the historical evidence, there's more historical evidence for the accuracy of the Bible than for any other book in ancient history. And it's not even close. It's not even close. I'm talking about a brick to the Empire State Building. Okay, that's the mountain of evidence that exists. Um, there's more historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus than for any other event in ancient history. Okay? And so I just want to say that, but at the same time when I say that, this is a monologue at this point, not fair, right? Because I can't just make these statements, you know, what about the objections themselves? We're not a church that, that, that wants to end conversations. We're a church that wants to start conversations. So if you've got more questions about the Bible, about its reliability, about the authenticity, about anything like that, please bring it up. Please come talk to me, talk to the person who brought you, talk to someone in the community group. We love to have this conversation so that we can actually look at the evidence. Having said that, if we're going to think about, you know, think about your life today, right? Your life today, um, what is the Bible, right? At the very core, like what is the Bible? Why do we have it? I think at the core, when we think about our experience today, tomorrow, this week, this year, this lifetime, what the Bible is at the core, okay, here it comes, what the Bible is, is it's, it's God speaking to us today. Okay, that's what this book is. This is God speaking to us today. 
It's God speaking to us today. And so the fact that the Bible exists means that God speaks to us. Okay, we have the Bible because God wants to speak to us today. And so we're going to look, as you see on that sheet, there's, we're going to look at a lot of different parts of the Bible. Okay, I'm going to talk a lot about a lot of different verses. I put the most important verses here on this half sheet, and we're going to kind of walk through them um, uh, as we go. So let me give you the first point that we're going to see as we walk through. And, and sort of as we go through these points, I'm going to make reference to the verses um, as we go through. So let me give you the first point. In the Bible, here's the first point. In the Bible, God opens his thinking to us. Okay? In the Bible, God opens his thinking to us. Okay, what is the Bible? How does it affect us today? In the Bible, God opens his thinking to us. Okay, look at the first verse there on that half sheet. This is from Genesis 18, verses 17 and 18. The Lord said, I love this. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? Do you see what he's saying? What God is saying there, God's about to do something, but he stops. He stops before he does it, because he wants to reveal his plans to Abraham. Did you catch that? God stops. says, wait, wait, hold on. Before I do this, I want to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. I want to let Abraham into my thinking. I want Abraham to see what I'm thinking, what I'm planning on doing, so that he can be a part of it. That's what the Bible is. The Bible is God saying, shall I hide from Rick what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from Jackie what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from it? No. The answer is no. I want to let them know what I'm about to do. Look at John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. That's the next verse there. Because we find in the New Testament the exact same thing. Jesus is talking here. He says to his disciples, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See that? Jesus is saying the exact same thing. Jesus doesn't see us as servants. If we're following Jesus, we're his friends. We're his friends who deserve to know what he's thinking. That's what he's saying. So you can know what God is thinking. You can know how God thinks. You can know what he thinks. You can know what God is going to do because he tells us that is what the Bible is. It's God telling you what he thinks, what he's doing in the world, and often why he's doing it. That's huge. a big deal that God would share this with us. God of the universe. I mean, CEOs don't call me and tell me what they're planning on doing, right? Our president hasn't called me. 
He doesn't seem to care that I know what, or what he's doing or not doing. Right? And yet God, the King of Kings, the President of Presidents, right? He, is, he wants you to know what he's thinking, what he's doing, and why he's doing it. Man. Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is the third verse there. This is great because this is the balance. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So right there, you've got the balance. Okay, there are things that we will never know about God. There are some things that we will never understand. Right? Kind of makes sense. He's infinite. Okay, there's things that he could try to explain, but, I mean, we couldn't even understand it, right? He's God, we're not. So we get that. But what's in the Bible, this is for us. What is in the Bible, it's for you. God wrote it for you so that you could know what he's thinking. There is a lot in the Bible that can help us. And this is, this is helpful not only for us, but it also trains us to be able to care for and serve others. Right? Think about the relationships that you have. The biggest question. What's the biggest question that people are always asking God? Right? One word. Help, Help is not a question. <laughs> but why? That's right. Everybody wants, God, Why? Why did you do this? Why are you doing this? Why isn't my life this way? Why didn't this happen for me, right? Why, 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 why? You can get to a place. If you read the Bible, you can get to a place where you can have answers to that question. You can actually get to a place where you can help someone else understand what God is thinking and why God does some of the things that he does. Talk about being able to love someone and care for somebody. To be able to... There's an amazing passage in the book of Job where Job is is frustrated because he doesn't understand why. And what he cries out for is he says, I wish that there was somebody, in the image that he uses, I wish there was somebody who could lay a hand on us both. I wish there was a mediator. I wish somebody who knew what I was going through and knew the mind of God could bring us together. Friends, that's what the Bible does. What is so powerful about this idea is that even Jesus needed this. Jesus needed to be reminded of God's thinking. Okay? Jesus needed to be reminded of God's thinking. Right? Look at John 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. There's another place um, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. This isn't on your sheet. But but Jesus is answering the devil. And Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so we see there that the Bible gave Jesus sustenance. 
The Bible kept Jesus going. Jesus needed God's word, the Bible, to keep him going. It fed his heart and his soul. And it does the same thing for us. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2, there on your sheet. It says, Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. What does that say in there? It says that Jesus was willing to endure the cross because he had the assurance of God's plan to raise him from the dead and to use the cross to save the world. You catch that? The thing that kept Jesus going on the pathway that he knew would lead to his death, what kept him going, this passage says, was the joy that was set before him. And the joy was the the assurance that he would be raised from the dead, that he would pass through death and come out the other side. And that in the wake that his resurrection created, he would lead millions and billions of people into eternal life. Jesus needed that in order for him to do the hard thing that God called him to do. And if he needed it, so do we. We need the Bible. We need God. We need a firm knowledge of God's promises to endure the difficulties of our lives. And there are promises in the Bible that we need not just to endure life, but to thrive in the middle of it. To thrive. There's one passage, it's Romans 8.37, it says, we, are, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Right? That, that's what I want. Right? I don't want to just get through life. Right? I don't want to just escape by the skin of my... I want to overwhelmingly conquer. And the Bible is how we do that. You've got Philippians 1.6. Says this, it says, and I am sure of this, right? In order to get through the hard times, in order to overcome the difficulties and the obstacles and the trials and the per- and just the, the rough things that we deal with, we need assurance, right? And so here's assurance this is a promise from God. I am sure of this that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of everything going on in your life, in the midst of all the uncertainty, all the chaos, the future's unknown, here's one thing that you can be sure of. God is at work in your life, and he is not going to stop being present, a present help for you, until the day that Jesus comes back. That's a promise. And that can get you through. Because when you know that, then you begin to look for it. All right, God, where are you at work? Oh. Oh, wow. All right. I'm, I'm a lot more patient now. Or, oh, wow, Lord, I was able to talk with this other person and understand where they're going through because of what you brought me through. I mean, just some of the ways, right? That we begin to see that God really is at work in us. And he continues to work in us. Here's another one. Romans 8, 28. And we know 
We don't think. We know. There's assurance here. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. If you love God, all things work together for good. There is something, I want to say magical, but that's not the right word. It's spiritual that happens when you, and if you haven't had this experience, if you keep following Jesus, you will. But there's a a point in life where things fall apart. You're frustrated, you're angry, you're bitter, you you don't know what's going on, and and, and you, you, you begin to direct that anger, and then all of a sudden, something happens in your life. And you realize that there's a bigger picture going on. You realize, and, and it hits you, and it stops, and you kind of get startled. And, and, and what happens is, you realize that it's almost as if there is a God who is working everything in your life together, who is orchestrating the circumstances of your life and bringing about good that you never, ever would have thought could have been possible. If you've had that experience, that is what this promise is about. Miracles happen in your life when you begin to tune in to what God is doing in your life, when you connect to what he's thinking. He's opening his mind, his thinking to us. And miracles happen. Let me share with you some of the things that people have said because of these promises. Okay? Listen to this. I believe that suffering will be healed and made up for. I believe that in the world's finale, at the moment of eternal harmony, something so precious will come to pass that it will be sufficient for all hearts. It will comfort all resentments, It will atone for all the crimes of humanity, for all the blood that they've shed. It will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify everything that's happened. Did you catch that? That in the end, when you see it all, something so amazing is going to happen that it will not just make it possible to forgive, what has been allowed to happen on earth, but it will justify what has been allowed to happen on earth. That was Fyodor Dostoevsky in the Brothers Kazmarov, or Karamazov. Another thing, every horrible thing that ever happened will not only be undone and repaired, but will in some way make the eventual glory and joy even greater. How many of you need to hear that right now? Everything sad is going to come untrue, and it will somehow be greater for having once been broken and lost. Tim Keller said that in The Reason for God. This is what happens when you connect to the mind of God and what he thinks when you spend time reading the Bible. This is what happens. This is the maturing perspective that you gain and you experience 
when you spend time reading the Bible. So this is God opening his thinking to us. That's our first point. Our second point, if you want to write it down, is that in the Bible, God opens himself to us. Okay, not just his thinking, but himself. When God reveals his thinking in the Bible, one of the greatest things that we learn about God's mind, God's heart, is that he is relational. God cares about people. And so when he opens his thinking to us, one of the things that is on his mind all the time is that he wants a relationship with you. As you read the Bible, God, as he shares his thinking, he's inviting you into a relationship with him. When he does that, the Bible calls that a covenant. And the word covenant is used throughout the Bible. The major sort of historical changes in the history of God dealing with his people come when new covenants get made, when covenants get renewed. Okay? A covenant is a bond of love and promise. Okay? That's what God's doing. He's bonding. He's promising to love us and be united to us. And we see this. Right? Genesis 15.1 is the next passage there. I love this verse. <laughs> After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Catch that? God's saying, Abram, look, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Right? We're not following Jesus because if we follow Jesus, our life gets better. Right? We don't plug into God so that we can turn him into an ATM machine or a genie and just sort of call on him whenever we want something. We don't approach God because we want all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It's about Him. It's about being in a relationship with the God of the universe. That's what it's about. He is the reward. If you become a Christian because you're looking for something in particular, you may be disappointed. But if you begin to follow Jesus because you want to know God, you will never be disappointed. Because God will show up. Jesus shows up in our lives no matter what happens. If things go good, if things go bad, Jesus is there. He is there. There's a, uh, there's a, a, a hymn that I love. And one of the lines goes like this. It says, Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men. And then here's the line I love. From the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. From the best bliss that I can get from earth, right? from the best bliss, from the greatest happiness that earth can try to provide, I turn unfilled to you again. 
It's about Jesus. And Jesus said so much. John 5, 39, next verse. He says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. John 17, 3, it's not on here. Jesus says, and this is eternal life. That they may know you, the true and living God. That's what it's about. When God opens up the the, the Bible, he, he gives us the Bible. He opens himself up to us. He's inviting us into a relationship with him. Not just to know about God, but to know God. To know God. I had a conversation with, with a neighbor where we were talking and he's a scientist and doesn't he's got a particular religion that he follows but he doesn't believe in anything in the religion because science has disproven all of that and um, and I, I just I said in passing like for me in my experience it's interesting because um, because I know God it helps me to think about uh, my life in different ways and he just said wait hold on a second because you know God you know God? And I said, yeah. And he just said that. I can't even process that. I have no idea how to process Like, what does that mean? And I said, well, it certainly doesn't mean that I'm anything special. The only reason I know God is because he's revealed himself. Like, I can't climb up into heaven, but the wonder of wonders is that God descended from heaven to earth gave us his mind and gave us himself. The central story of the Bible is how he does that. Right? The central message of the Bible is that God left heaven, came to earth, and died for our sins, our sins that separated us from him so that we could be forgiven, we could have a relationship with God. In the Bible, God is described as an affirming father, as a servant leader, a gentle shepherd, a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace, a responsible brother, a faithful husband, a guiding light, a caring creator, and a wise mentor. It describes God all these ways because they all shed light on how rich a relationship we can have with God. They all show us different ways that we can be in relationship with him. God is all those things for us. He offers to be all those things. And he gives us the Bible so that we can understand him and be in relationship with him. There was a time in Jesus' life where there were crowds that were pressing in on him And Jesus' mother and his brothers showed up. And they were trying to get his attention because they were kind of nervous that Jesus was making a scene. And they couldn't get in. And so they were outside wherever Jesus was. And the folks who were inside said, Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside. They want to see you. And Luke 8.21 gives us his response. It's there in in your half sheet. But Jesus answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
Those who hear the word of God and do it are my mother and my brothers. So the Bible is God opening himself up to you. You can know him. You can be his brother, his sister. If you hear his word and do it. If you follow him. It doesn't mean you earn your salvation or earn your standing with God. It just means you hear Jesus and you follow. You follow. So, in the Bible, God opens himself to us. That's our second point. Our last point Our last point is will you open yourself to the Bible? Will you open yourself to the Bible? Right? In the Bible, God opens his thinking to us. In the Bible, God opens himself to us. Will you open yourself to the Bible? People who begin a relationship with Jesus end up wanting more and more and more and more of the Bible. It's kind of an addiction that gets formed, uh, but a healthy one. Um, Here's Paul, the apostle who wrote half the New Testament. There was a point where he was trying to sum up everything in in his thinking. In Philippians 3.10, this isn't on your sheet, he he says this. He says, I just want to know Jesus. That's the beat of his heart. I just want to know Jesus. That's what it all boils down to. And it doesn't mean that I remove myself from my life and my earth, or from the earth, so that I can, you know, go up in an ivory tower, lock myself away from the world. Like, that's not what, what, what Paul means there. That's not the image that loving the Bible or, or wanting more and more of God's Word does to you. Because when you get to know Jesus, Jesus cares about this earth. He cares about your life. He cares about your work. He cares about your family. He cares about your relationships and your community. He cares about the city that we live in. And so because Jesus cares about those things, knowing him, following him, loving his word, loving the Bible, actually puts us back into our lives. It sends us back into our lives with assurance, with the ability to help others, with the desire to serve. Okay, so this doesn't remove us, but it actually sends us in, propels us in. And so just a little bit more on Paul. Um, I threw this really odd verse in there, 2 Timothy 4.13, right? Second to last there on that sheet. This is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Huh? I guess Paul's cold, right? Winter's coming. He's a little bit chilly. This is Paul at the end of his life, right? He thinks he's about to die. Okay, he's in prison awaiting his death. And he says right before these verses, I'm already being poured out as a drink. I'm already about to die. I know my time is coming. This letter, 2 Timothy, is Paul, in a sense, handing the baton of his ministry to Timothy. He's handing the mantle to Timothy. Right? And at the end, he says, Tim, Timothy, come to me soon. Come soon. Bring the cloak and the books, especially the parchments. 
So, at the end of his life, when he had just a short time left, Paul still wanted more. The books and the parchments, those are the scriptural scrolls. That's scripture. At the end of his life, he wanted more and more and more of Jesus. And thinking about that, I don't know, it does something to me. It's like, yeah, I want more. I want that. So the question for you is, what do you really want? I read a a quote this week that, that made me pause. It said this, you now are as close to God as you want to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. Your nearness to God is based on your desires. James 4.8 has a wonderful promise. If you feel convicted about that. It just says this. Gerard shared it with us earlier in the service. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Amen. That's the promise. That's the promise. <clears throat> so, what do you need to do? I think the most important thing that you can do is the same thing I said last week. Right? If you get anything, if you take away anything from what I'm about to say, you know, from what I've said today, take away this. Pick a time and pick a place where you will spend time with God. It's awesome. We've got the antiphony of Scripture coming out to us from your phone. I love it. We can't get enough, right? It's going to speak to us. I mean, it's kind of amazing how technology is bringing the Word even closer to us. You can listen to it wherever you are. Right? You can get it on your phone. You can get it on, I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Pick a time, pick a place to spend with God. Okay, pick a time and pick a place. And don't let anyone disturb that. Don't let anything disturb that. For some of you, this is more difficult than for others. Yeah, that's good. If you're in that place where you feel like you don't get enough time, that's a good place to be. If your time with God leaves you hungry for more, then usually that's a sign that God showed up. I think many of us are more faithful reading the newspaper than we are reading the Bible. Many of us spend more time checking the scores, checking the internet, checking our blogs, checking and not spending time listening to the mind and the heart of the God of the universe. Three hours of TV a day, three minutes of Bible reading in a day. Why aren't we growing? Okay? And I'm not, the point isn't to like beat you up or make you feel guilty. It's just to say, hey, is this the reality of our lives? Do we want it to continue to be this way? Like, what do we really want? Because you can decide something different. You can make a change in the way you think about approaching your schedule today.
you spend 15 minutes a day, you'll read the whole Bible in a year. If you give up one 30-minute television show, you'll get through the Bible twice in a year. It's kind of exciting. Right? What about reading the Bible? Like, just make a list of the shows you watch. Prioritize them, right? Could you go without one of those? For reading through the whole Bible twice in a year. And there's lots of different ways to read the Bible. If you don't know how to read the Bible, let us know. Fill out that, that card on the back and just say, hey, could you help me read the Bible? Could you help me know how to do it? I mean, because for some of you, you want to read the whole Bible, go for it. For others of you, maybe you want to pick one book of the Bible and really try to understand it. Right? I've done all kinds of things over the last 20 plus years that I've been following Jesus and his word. Um, you know, re- read the same book. Take one of those short letters in the New Testament and read the, read the same book every day for seven days. And just see what happens. See what you see the third time, the eighth, the fifth time, the seventh time. Like, see, I mean, just new things. There, there's passages of the Bible that I'm reading. I've read the whole Bible multiple times, numerous times, and yet there's still verses in there where I go, I know I've never, ever seen that verse before. Right? And you want to remember, like, the key to reading isn't just to read, but you need to remember when you read that this is God speaking to you. That's why you're reading. You're not reading it to know about God. You're reading it to know God. And so ask yourself, what does this, what is this saying about God? What is this saying about me? What is this saying to me? Ask yourself those questions. And when you're done, just pray. Talk to God about what you just read. Pick one thing. Lord, I read about this and this causes me to wonder. Or God, this is an amazing thing that you are. If this, you know, because of this verse, I now know this about you, and that's interesting. Help me to think about it. Lord, how do I apply that to my life? Are there things that I should or shouldn't do because of this? You know, it seems like in, in our daily experience with God, when we pray, that's usually more us talking to him. When we read the Bible, that's more him talking to us, right? So you want to probably do both. Right? That's one of the best ways to have the dialogue. To have the dialogue. These are the two steps to experiencing God every day. Pray and read. Read and pray. Someone wrote this. How do you spell love? T-I-M-E. That's good. That's good. If you want to take next steps, we're going to have a spiritual growth class that's coming up. It's going to start up in a few weeks. Um, We're going to be looking more deeply at the Bible and how to understand it. It's coming up. Details are in the bulletin. Um, You can join a community group, right? The Bible sometimes comes alive when you're with other people talking about it. I mean, it's a huge blessing to read the Bible with other people because you get stumped, you don't know what it's saying, you have a question, you, don't, you can't figure it out. Somebody else has a different perspective, it really adds light. So join a community group. Every week they are looking at the Bible 
understanding it? How do we apply this to our lives? How do we take this, these verses and, and this God that these verses are, 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 are speaking of and put this into practice? There was a, a Norse captain. His name was O'Neill. And he was, share, he was sailing for the shore of a new land. Okay? And he was in competition with another Norse captain. This is back in the 1000s. Okay? They were in a race. In the year 1015, they were sailing for this new land with the agreement that the first captain to touch the shore would be the land's new king. And as the ships drew near to the shore, O'Neill realized that he was going to lose. He knew it. The other ship was too far ahead. O'Neill then responded by doing something that shaped history for centuries. He took his axe and he chopped off his hand. He grabbed the hand and he hurled it up to the shore. And his hand landed on the shore before the other captain touched down. How much do you want to know God? How much do you want to know God? O'Neill would say that he'd do it again in a heartbeat because his family became a dynasty that reigned for centuries. Jesus is offering you not just centuries, but eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, I don't think there's anything else in this life that is worth giving up everything. Lord, you have opened my eyes this week to see the significance of the Bible in a brand new way. That you would open your mind and share with us your thinking. That you would, through the Bible, open yourself to us. Lord, draw near. Come near and bless every person here. We want to know you better. We know deep in our hearts that when we are connected with you, when we are walking with you, when we are aware of your presence in our lives, things just go so much better. Life is so much more satisfying, it's so much more fulfilling. We see ourselves connected to eternity and a purpose, meaning and significance. Lord, help us to devote ourselves to you and your word. Help everyone here to be willing to commit to spending time with you. 
we want to live for your glory. We want to worship you with our lives. And it's this book that helps us know how to do that. And so teach us, Lord, every time we open it, every time we remember it, every time we memorize it, every time we sing it, Lord, help us to draw near to you. Because you are the God who authored the Bible. You're the God who inspired it. And it's you that we want. Help us and help us to help each other as we seek to understand and read and apply your Bible to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.